0: Have you heard of Deal Week on Instacart? From February 7th to 14th, get up to 60% off flowers at select stores. And more great deals on gifts,
1: delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Send your Valentine roses, chocolate, a
0: singing teddy bear. And if you don't have a Valentine, just treat yourself. It's a pretty sweet deal after all. Get up to 60% off flowers at select stores all week long through Instacart. While supplies last, minimum $15 flower order, max discount of $10 term supply.
1: Welcome to the Midlife Mail podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Mail newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Alright guys, here we go. Midlife male podcast time. This one is super special. I have a longtime friend, family friend, Adam Jablin joining me on the show today. Adam is one of the most positive and prolific men that I know. He is a leader, a sober advocate, an all around good guy. He is the creator of the Hero Project, a certified life coach, a recovery specialist, and he is also the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Lotsaholic from a Sick to Sober Superman. If there's anybody out there that I would describe as a Superman, it would be this guy, Adam Jablin. He is a prolific keynote speaker. He is on TV constantly as a renowned expert in his field. Again, one of the most positive, motivating, and inspiring guys you could ever possibly be around. And more importantly, he knows his stuff. He walks the walk and talks the talk. He has been there. He has been a successful business executive. He has been a husband. He is a father. He has been an addict. He has gone through recovery. He is as fit as anybody I know out there and just really a super, super human being. So when we reconnected just almost a little over a year ago, and he knows my brother really quite well from down in Miami, uh, when we reconnected and realized of how much in common we had, um, it was almost like time, you know, stood still when you reconnect with that person, and you're like, okay, we just, I've always been right on the same wavelength. Make no mistake about it, Adam is changing lives. He is changing attitudes. He is a true gift to anyone and everyone he comes in contact with. And this was a personal episode to do, and I really enjoyed it. I appreciate Adam always for being so authentic and so transparent. And at this point, look, I'm going to turn it over to to him and let him do his thing and share his story and his magic and who he is and what he's all about. Adam Jablin, the Sober Superman on the Midlife Mail podcast. Adam Jablin, Midlife Mail podcast, long overdue.
0: Long overdue, my brother Greg. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, thank you,
1: thank you. Look, it is it is awesome to have you here. It's awesome to see you rocking the roan. Also, you know, yeah, on this
0: purpose, I did that on purpose. So, thank you, thank you for the introduction. Um, You know, these are your these are your boys. These are your family. You made an introduction. I thought it was such a great great collaboration. So, I want to thank you for that. It was on
1: purpose. Well, it's it is looking good on you. So we'll get you on here. We'll get you out of here so you can hit the golf course in your polo, right? (laughs) Hey, so I want to start off. You know, we were we were chatting before we hit the button a little bit, and said, you know, where do we want to go with this? And we know each other well, and we've got a lot of history here. Um, Let's just start right there, man. I mean, let's just start with with the relationship, with the history, I we go back a while and it's been really incredible to watch your journey, you know, from afar. And, and we can even talk about this a little bit, especially guys in middle age. Here's what we find. Like we've got people we know, got people we love. We're close to them in our lives. And then these years just go by. They just go by and you don't know, to an extent what other people are up to, or you hear a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And then boom, 20 years goes by mm-hmm. and you reconnect. And it's like time stood still in a way, yet so much changed. Mm-hmm. And you can still go kind of right back to to where you are. I think it's an interesting thing about guys, kind of in general, we can just pick up, you know, yeah, in a way. But fill me in a little bit. There's stuff I know. It's like the Adam you were, The atom I knew. And now the atom I know. And you know, shit, there's there's 30 years in there.
0: Yeah, dude. It's a it's a hell of a ride. I'll try to make it um fun and and compact so we could, you know, rift together. But um we have a shared brother, one of yours literally biological from the same mother and father, one to me, somebody that I love, that I consider a brother, that's always been in my heart. Your little brother, Sandy, you know, and I think I even met you as a kid at the Boca Resort a couple of times. You were the older, cooler guy. We were the young scrubs. Um, and, you know, your brother made an impact on my life. He made an impact on my life. He, uh, I think he'd take all of this as a compliment if he ever takes the time to listen to this. But he, as as smooth and as cool and as sexy and as charismatic as he was, was as insane and as crazy as he was. And he had this beautiful blend of both. And, and I loved him and he loved me. And we always somehow kept in touch throughout the years. And you were always big brother. You were always big brother. And through those years, um, God, Greg, you know, went to corporate America, third generation in my family business business. Uh, we were the number one lace manufacturers in the world, uh, and it was a grind. It was a real grind. And you know, my my grandfather was the Joe Montana, right of of this industry. He was the captain, and my father came in, opened his own company within the same under the same umbrella, um, and he literally was the Tom Brady. And I had these two really, really big shadows to live up to. And it wasn't like, oh, you're a javelin. So here's the money and here's a this and here's a that and here's a credit card. It was like, you know, you, you got to live up to the family name. So start as, you know, start on the bottom, on the bottom and had to work third shift for a while, which my father laughs because he just, still doesn't remember having me do that for three months. So third shift and what you know in the warping department and, and doing inventory and then on the machines and then you know learning all these things that nobody would understand about you know being a mechanic and threading yarns and then quality control and then shipping and then you know doing the inventory the right way and then the clerical work and all the way up you know, to, to scheduling the machines, to learning the customers, to understanding the flow, to finally understanding on how to run a, a business and becoming part of the family. And through all that, getting very thirsty, <laughs> not knowing where I really fit in life, not knowing where – you know, feeling like I wasn't fulfilling some sort of destiny, some sort of calling, uh, feeling like I would never match up to these two icons – and my drinking and drugging just, you know, got to the point that it was no longer a dependency. It was no longer an unhealthy habit. It I literally turned into an alcoholic in a um, couldn't So, you know, the mind would crave it, but the body needed it and I obsessed over it. And I would do anything to get my fix. You know, I would do anything to get my fix. Thank God it didn't go to hurting people physically and it didn't go to stealing. But the lying and the manipulating Greg were just it just makes you a a fraud, you know, and it makes you uh, half a man and you're living a double life at all times. And I'm showing this charismatic, bubbly, smiley guy, and oh we run the company, blah blah blah. But inside I'm dying, you know? Inside I'm I'm dying. Every day I'm dying. And I, you know, we could go as deep as you want into that, but I, I took the alcoholism addiction pretty far to the point that I had to go to rehab in July 14, two thousand and six, and that is where some of the most amazing spiritual experiences ever happened to me.
1: Did you? And I, I appreciate you sharing so so much on this. Did you make that move? Were you able to make that move yourself? You know, that realization and, and go to rehab, or was it affecting your business? You, know, you talk about the manipulation, the lying. Were you still getting away with it, or did the family confront you? Was it having an effect there? And tell me also, you know, how old were you at the time? Were you, were you married at the time? Were you single? You know, what was yeah. the situation for you? That and that tipping point, you know, to go.
0: Yeah, that's a dude. That's a. That, those are wonderful questions. Um, so I got married. I, I met my ex-wife when I was twenty-three. We were kid twenty-two, really. Um, proposed when I was 23, married when I was just about to be 25, um, and intervened and went to rehab at 30. And along the way, and and I say this as a as the most sincere compliment, so I hope you receive it that way. You're not an alcoholic and an addict, but you do have that extreme. Like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady—like that laser. Not everybody, not not every alcoholic and addict has that. I thought that every alcoholic and addict was extreme. That's not true. You can be extreme and not have the disease. I had no idea about that. Right. So I was able to stay very, very successful and very laser focused on the on the business where things fell apart were my relationships and in my so like really within my family life. Specifically with my ex-wife and all the loved ones around me, because I was not showing up the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's where it it didn't affect my business life, but affected my my family life.
1: Un un understood. You know, you touched on something there that I want to go back to, which is kind of the. The type A personality, the laser focus, the kind of addictive personality that can be in a healthy, can be directed towards, you know, healthy, let's say, outlets, and then the the unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I have not gone to rehab myself, don't believe that I hit, let's say, that point, I question and I ask myself this a lot, having had struggles with drugs and alcohol over the time. Was I a quote unquote functional alcoholic and is there such a thing mm-hmm. in there? Um, there were clearly relationship issues that came from my excessive drinking. Um, there were actions and realizations that I had to take to try to you know curb it or stop it. There were periods of time where I don't believe I did and mm-hmm. certainly didn't do a good job with it. There were other personal tipping points um, and confrontations that – in a way, forced me to make decisions that I was, you know, now looking back, fortunate to have made and been able to to handle. I'd love your take also on, you know, cause I think we also know a lot of people like this too, like, you know, that... They overindulge, if you will, you know, or, or, and sometimes I even joke around and it's not something to joke around with. They're like, Hey, they're trained professionals. Like this is what they do. You know, they can drink like this. They can do that. They're somehow able to function They do it. Like, okay, not my bag necessarily anymore. And I think now without assumption or judgment, but I think now that I am, and I say, I call it pretty much sober, if you will, mm-hmm. I don't really drink and that's just a choice. And the reason is over the years, it doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve the lifestyle that I'm in now. And maybe if I recovered better in my 40s, you know, I'd still be doing it. But because I emphasize health and wellness and daytime over nighttime in certain ways that I'm living and doing, it really just doesn't have its place anymore. It's kind of other things have supplanted it and it's worked its way out of a job (laughs) you know, in a way.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So if I decide to have a drink, I will. More often than not, I don't. And that's kind of what I've come down to. And I feel like if I told myself I'm never drinking again, that would put a level of pressure on me that might make me even want to have it more. Mm -hmm. Whereas I simply am of of the mindset and ability at this point to not have to do it. But I wonder, and, and in your experience, again, as an expert in this, the line, if there is one, between disease, addict, you know, somebody who might be able to be self-aware and self-correct, you know, like,
0: yeah. So like, let-
1: where do you go with all this? Because it's also so big, by the way, at middle age.
0: Yeah. Oh, These right. guys, I mean,
1: the routine and the habit and the pattern that I want to get into of, I get up, I go to work. I grind it all out, you know, I come home late, or I have drinks in the conference room with my partners or at work, then I have another drink with clients, or then I go see my kids play sports, then we come home and I have another, and it's just, do you even realize what that is?
0: Yeah, well, I, you dude, this is a great, this is a great conversation. I could do this every day. So you're right, there is a a B, right? And there is a beam. And being an alcoholic and an addict in recovery, um really 1st you know, we are people that we, we're the ones that admit finally that it is a disease that we have this, right? It does come with a lot of self-awareness. So let's, let's take it a step back. What I think alcohol and drugs can be some of the, the greatest teachers, like all relationships we have, like there's a relationship that you can have with alcohol and drugs. So if I were to, if I were to be so bold and use you because we're so close, I think alcohol um, and drugs taught you what you didn't want and also showed you what you did want and what you preferred. And if you don't mind me saying it almost was a rite of passage in a way, it was like, this is who I, you know, I'm Greg. I'm Greg this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I believe in. These are my two boys. This is my wife. This is my, I I did run this company and now this is my mission to help people. And and alcohol and drugs for you was, was just like a rite of passage of figuring out where you wanted to put that energy, where you, where you decided to put that energy. Um, And then there are people, let's say that are heavy drinkers and, and somewhere in the middle, like you said, where the relationship is still kind of foggy and they're teetering on, they can go Greg's route and really, really decide to make a decision to change and to channel this energy into healthy, healthy ways of living, midlife, male ways of living, really, really focus on um, what you say, you know, from fashion to fitness, to fun, to family, to what are the other, it's uh, a
1: food finance. And now you nailed it. Okay.
0: Right. But late, but take that. and. Laser focus it, or they take it and they keep channeling it into good times, alcohol, drugs, ways of finding relief, ways of finding fun, right? And eventually, eventually, and I'm not saying it happens tomorrow, but eventually they step over this invisible line, and that's what you're asking. This like, where is that invisible line where they're lying all the time? They have hiding spots. Because they're lying, you know. If you asked if they drink last night, they were like, "Well, only a couple." Or the answer was no. They can't find their keys. They forgot where their car was. Their friends from the night before are reminding them of what they said or what they did, and it's embarrassing. They feel like they want to isolate at times. They're feeling exhausted. They're feeling nervous. This unfeeling nervous. Like wh- What did I do last night? What did I say? Where did this go? Where did that go? They don't, their memory is lacking. They look in the mirror, they're looking bloated, right? They're looking bloated. Their eyes are getting yellow or they're looking gaunt. They're not eating enough. And they're starting to realize that they're not even getting the enjoyment out of it anymore. They're starting to need it. Like I can't wait till five o'clock for X. I can't wait. And before you know it, five o'clock becomes three o'clock. Three o'clock becomes 12 o'clock. Little things like oh my god she smells the vodka on me, I'll have a Xanax instead. Little things like I can't drink this much coffee, so I'm gonna start taking amphetamines. Little things like I can't sleep from all the amphetamines, I'm gonna take an Ambien Before you know it, I need the amphetamines and the coffee in the morning before you know it, I need the coffee and the amphetamines in the morning, but I need a Xanax now to calm my heart down, but I still want to drink with the boys at five o'clock, so I'm starting to pour the whiskey and the rye at five o'clock. Now I'm starting to get like a little too woozly so I need a little something more to get me up, so I take a little Yale or and Greg, it starts this vicious cycle that it becomes progressive, chronic, fatal, and primary, not secondary, primary. And once you have those four classifications, you are now a disease. Mm. Right? You are now a disease. You're not a disorder. You know, you're not, you're not some manifestation of the brain. You are physically, mentally, spiritually a disease.
1: Man, it's it just stops you. I mean, I don't know how it's gonna grab. I mean, you do, you probably do because you've done this song. I don't know how it's gonna grab people that are listening. But as I just sit here one on one, go, okay, that's a fucking trip down memory lane, right there. Like that description, if you will, you know, that's exactly it. I mean, that's a harsh, okay, now listening to you talk and I'm 49 now going back, okay, everything he said is exactly true. And I can pinpoint probably certain places, times, instances where I go, okay, that's where my invisible line was. How many times was I over that invisible line before actual, you know, change started to happen and how lucky, fortunate, grateful, whatever it is that nothing Horrible happened, you know. That, you know, how many wake up calls do you get before you just don't wake up? You hmm? just
0: said that's dude. That was the greatest. That, that's the way you and I talk nowadays. I think they call it red flags or this or that, whatever. It's a wake up. So I'm Greg. I promise you, I could I could talk about my alcoholism addiction all day, but I'm telling you as a brother, like as a brother, when I got my DUI in college, I drank, I drank heavily, and I drove that night. I was not an alcoholic at that time. It was a bad, stupid decision and could have been a wake-up call. Could have been a wonderful wake-up call at 21 years old, right? It's now, now, what it did become was just another sign, right? Another signpost for when the intervention came. It's like, we have a lot of evidence here that you have a fucking problem.
1: Yep. Pile it up. And it's, you know again, as you were going through it and you're saying, you know, that admit, finally, you get to that point where, where it's disease. And, you know, it's interesting as you attributed it, like in a way to like success, like you're successful as an addict, you're for so long, for you're successful as, as, you know, as an alcoholic. I mean, even we we'll can go back, talk about my brother a little bit too. You're successful as a criminal. Like I used to say this, listen, you know what? He's incredible. What does your brother do? He's very, he's very successful at what he does. Unfortunately, what he does is very illegal. You know, it's like okay, he's very successful at what we've done is at drinking and drugs and everything else. The problem is, okay, what we're successful at, you know, is is ruining us. You know, long term, or it, this is a disease. Now, the second part of that is if you apply the same powers for good, that you. If you can take the same degree of consistency in a way, discipline, you know, you can even call innovation, manipulation, whatever you want to call, yeah. and start applying these things for good. Like, how successful can you really be, you know? And I think that's what you you see, and again, what you specialize in and what you do is this transformation, this this hero project, this superhero situation of, you know, can I? Transform and use these powers for something greater, and I think we all know people like this, whether you're in the business or not who have swapped one addiction in a way for another, and you go, okay, there's a reason those guys hang out together, there's a reason those guys are successful, there's a reason their their support system you know there's a reason they throw themselves into health and fitness or entrepreneurship or music whatever like they're great at, but they're using and now they're just using that addictive personality, if that's the right terminology for, for what can actually make them really successful.
0: Yeah, I, that, look, that's a big part of what I do. I, I, I think this is one of those ways that the midlife male and the hero project are very, very aligned is, is that you and I attract a certain clientele that we're really taking their best qualities, like you said, and it could the best qualities could be channeled in the wrong areas. Right. That's why you have that lit. Like you're gonna go over this is what we're gonna focus on. But we're we're taking those that, that superpower that they have and trying to channel it into ways that they can grow. And and another thing that you and I have discussed off the air is we also know what success is and isn't. So, you know, money is a wonderful thing, but you and I are really seeking for fulfillment because we could get you and I can get financially well way quicker than coaches and books and podcasts in this grind that we decided to do you know we could just hyper focus on crypto and nft and this and that and and look at just money 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 you know we we're look you and i are really looking for fulfillment and helping people change their lives so yeah it's all about taking that power and redirecting
1: it yep and and i think I think it's a great point. And while yes, we're striving for fulfillment, you know, happiness, total life, wellness, however you wanna, whatever you want to call it, at the same time, um look, you know, finance is called money is one of my F's, and it's something yeah. we have to be cognizant of. And we want to be able to provide for our kids, you know, you want to provide for your daughter, live a certain life. We can get into this, you know, a little bit too. But at the same time, it's just one part of the pie chart you know, and say, okay, you could take more speaking gigs. You know, you could probably coach more people. You could write another book and then another book and then another book. The question also comes down to how much do I want to do? Can I do maybe less with more focus that I've written about? Can I say, you know what? I can live off of X and now I have the freedom, the time and things that to do the things that I also really enjoy that you can't put a price on. Or yeah, I could hustle, grind, or or I could go into some area and make more money faster. But it's something I have zero passion about. As you said, fulfillment. These are all questions and choices that that people have. Like mm-hmm. here's a
0: question that I don't even think you and I look at because it's already it's answered within us, you and I, and we know the benefit from it. But to other people, it's not that clear, right? So here's a Greg and Adam thing that's it's already off the table. It's not negotiable. But to other people, it's not that clear. If someone said to us, listen, we need those two hours a day that you really focus on your body, your health, and your wellness, but we're going to give you an extra 10 million. But for the next two years, you're not working out once. You're not working out. You're not exercising. Take it off of the, here's 10 million. I don't think you and I would even, I think we'll be like, you know what? I'll make, I'll make 20. I'll make 20 with my routine. You know what I mean? It's a not negotiable, right? So it's. The finances are one spoke of that wheel. But like you said, uh, I mean, listen, one thing I can learn from you from, which I'm trying to show off is the fashion, but, but, uh, but you know, it's one, it's one spoke, but it's not the wheel. It's not the wheel.
1: Absolutely. Look, we, we both had, if you will, exits in a way, you know, you, you exited from your family business. Mm-hmm. I exited from the insurance firm that I was with. Different scenarios, different timing on the on the whole thing. Um, you know, my situation was, I didn't even see it coming. Basically, didn't even know it was happening, and then it happened. And then when it happened, for some guys, to your point, it's the beginning of the new beginning. Hey, I'm going to chase more. I'm going to chase more. This is my platform, and I'm going to rocket ship. You know, to this. Mm-hmm. For other guys like me, beginning of the end. Hey, maybe this is what I was waiting for. On here, this is an opportunity to do something else. Yes, am I sacrificing bigger, better, more? Mm -hmm. But your bigger, better, more, not my bigger, better, more. Mm -hmm. Again, and we're all, we're all cut a little differently, you know, that way. And then we go back and we've talked about this too. Do these opportunities allow us to do different things? Mm -hmm. And is there an opportunity in that to say money is just a tool also? It's a tool and it's a resource. And how do I view it? Could I live off of a fixed income of this? Could I control my expenses in exchange for freedom? Or by the way, I'm not giving up those two hours a day of self care. Uh Because to me, that's extremely important and comes at a higher price or higher value than you, Mr. corporate guy, may give that
0: Uh overall.
1: You may want a different kind of return on your investment in me than I'm willing to give you. I'm looking for a different ROI in how I spend my time and my day. So you can't offer me enough to give up this and I can't give you those hours back that you want to make me worth it. Like that's in a way, there it is. That's how far apart Mm -hmm. uh, like in a way my situation was Uh, there's, There's no way we can possibly negotiate from here. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. are so far apart. Now, listen, we may be morally, ethically, everything else, fine. Like not a problem. Like, mm-hmm. However, the way you want to live and the way you see it and the way I want to live and the way I see it are so far apart. Let's just agree to disagree.
0: Greg, th- listen, I have never spoken about this. So this is the first time I'm speaking about it for the first time because it wasn't even, it, it was like you. There was such clarity on what I wanted to do. There was such clarity that I never even let people even know about this. I had an unbelievable, if you want to say opportunity, to continue some form of what the family business, it would be called what our family business was, North. We would do the knitting in um, New Jersey. I would have to fly up there at least for one week every month. Um, I'd have a little small office here in Boca Raton, but I would also have to be now Going to China, going to India, going to Thailand constantly because that's where most of the sourcing was going to be. And I would have been – and I these were my – I love them. These were my customers. These were my friends. But I would have been another shmata guy in the garment district, right? And I love everybody. Like these were – I've worked with these people for, for 25 years and known them since I was a baby. Like I'm third generation. And I it was on my plate. Here's the money. Here's it, and I Greg, I couldn't do it.
1: I know. I couldn't. Do it. I, couldn't I know. And it. you know what? Here's the other. Thing. There are so many guys out there, same position, same position or similar position, and they struggle with doing what they really want to do or what they know. I was writing about this thing. Like what they know? It's in their head and it's in their heart. But for whatever reason, they still can't do it. They can't take that leap or that step. Mm-hmm. So there's so many people out there that need your help as a coach. And again, they get 99% of the way there. They tell you, I'm 99% in, I'm, or I've heard this too. I'm 99% there. I'm going to buzz you back tomorrow, you know, and tell you. And they go with the 1%. They go with the 1%. And you want to help them all. Hmm. But at the same time, you have to be, again, authentic yourself. And you have to be saying, you have to want it. You have to want to do it. And then there's another thing I want to touch on here that I think also feeds this behavior in a way. This, this cycle again of kind of Groundhog's Day, these unhealthy habits that people have in they start And it's because they're stuck. These guys are stuck in situations. You, that you and I were fortunate enough to be able to exit or get out of based on certain circumstances that we had. But there's a lot, a large percentage of the population of guys out there, particularly in middle age, who I speak to, and you know, I kind of stay in that lane. You coach all, all kinds of people, but in this, they've been doing the same thing for a long time and they're complacent and it's a conundrum and it's redundant and everything else. And they don't have an exit or an opportunity and they have a large overhead and they have kids and they have a wife and they have, and it feeds some very unhealthy, have coping mechanisms and habits. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you mind if I play you, pay you a compliment? Something hit me. You can edit this out later. Something, <laughs> something hit me and it reminded me. So I want you to, I want you to hear it because it's a, it's a compliment. I, I remember saying like, look, Recovery in life were like my lane, and then what happened was that was kind of like a mission, but it became like an umbrella opened where other people were attracted to it. I I have a weird feeling like midlife maybe it it feels like it's our lane because we're just so good at that. But Greg, I think you're going to be attracting your friends, your 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 son's friends. I think you're going to be attracting. Athletes, kids—not just the athletes. I think, I think, like this is like you know, midlife. Like the hero is like our launching pad, but this is our launch. You know what
1: I mean? I I, listen. I know. I appreciate it, and I and I believe that. But I think what comes across, and the reason is the same way with you. It's a feeling that people get. It's something that you give off when you're actually really being authentic. When you really believe in what you're saying and what you're doing, that it no longer matters really what anybody else thinks, like anybody, the assumption and because of that, because you're doing it with such conviction and you're doing it regardless, because you want to, not necessarily because you have to. It was just like when I was in sales, like when you when you're selling scared, like they know it, they can smell it. Like when you're chasing the money, you know, when you need the deal, you know, when you're over-indexing, when you're doing all that, you it, you can feel it. The other guys can feel it, just the I, same way I, that you I gravitate showed, towards people.
0: I showed my uh, my girlfriend a post that you made the other day, and and she, it was talking to her. It spoke to her. That's why I'm trying to say that it, it you know, I I think it's our launching pad, but it, I I do, like like the midlife male book. It's kind of like lots of holic, but I do wonder where our missions will go because it affects more people than we think.
1: Well, that's, I'm going to ask that right back to you. Where do you want your mission to go? Because here's the, I mean, I see you on television all the time. You become a dynamic media personality, like an in-demand sought after expert in your field. Mm -hmm. You are working with people that you can't even reveal the names mm, of, of who they are because of who they are you know, you have put out the book, you know, once a hog, you have been incredibly outspoken, transparent, and vulnerable with your own experiences and transformation, you know, and which is, again, addict, you know, to soup, to superhero kind of financially, you know, stable slash wealthy to almost losing it all to gaining it back and exiting and now continue now Having a completely new career. You're divorced, which we haven't touched on yet, which you told me I could and we will. So thank you a little bit for that. You're a, you're a father. Where do you want this to go?
0: It's a great question, Greg. It's like, a, you know, I, I, this may sound so ridiculous, but anybody that's jumping into our field, maybe it's good to be this transparent. When I jumped in, I was like riding, I was like surfing a rainbow. I was like really in the moment and enjoying the moment because it wasn't the schmata business anymore. So I wasn't really thinking like, don't get me wrong. I, I can't tell you how many times, like remember when you were like, um, there was a post that I made that's a very normal post that people do, but like, I'm looking for five clients and you're like, dude, like really, like, but, but I got it because I would do this to the, the idea of build a funnel, scale how is this get right? And I was like, "Oh God!" Like you know what I mean? I was like, really? "Really?" But having said all of that, it is time to kind of, as I'm surfing, really kind of grow up a little bit and do these things and have a, a, a clear vision. I'm not exactly sure where I would like it to go. Um, I'm really enjoying the media, like really enjoying it. I feel very comfortable there. Um, I want to make sure that my, my, you know, my mission to help people always stays aligned and it's always more for them and not for attention. Um, I don't want to become an attention whore. I want to make sure that what I'm putting out is really helping people um, and serving people. Um, And for me personally, I have, I have found, this is just my personality, that it can get, it can get lonely. And I, like, I enjoy this. I, I don't know where it goes or how it goes or if it's something like maybe uh, a, a midlife male fro pro hero expedition that we you know we do something like Jesse Itzler does and we take people here or whatever. I'm I'm just making things up. But what I do realize is sometimes when you're doing this it can be lonely I and mean, when you're around like minded people, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So I yeah. you grow up is what I'm trying to tell you. I need to grow up. I am going to scale it. I am going to do this and that. But I'm not going to do it in a way that I lose my who I am and, and, and what I'm about. Um, I'm going to continue riding the wave. And I would like to join forces um, like we're doing and in, in like-minded people where it's a lot of fun and, and, and growth.
1: The Midlife Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust. And each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak, and I suggest you do too. So go over to midlifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive Midlife Mail discounts and promotions. I, I think it's awesome. And I think you're you're absolutely right onto something. And because I feel very similar in regards that I really, I really like the aspect of this work that is very personal and deep and kind of as even, you know, as a, what do you call it? Like extroverted introvert, you know, where you can sit back, you can write, I can work with guys one-on-one, I can do this, I can have my time, not have people pulling on me. I really do like that a lot. It really works for me so that I can also prioritize my family and I don't have a lot of other people pulling on me. And I try really hard not to have all these other outside quote unquote obligations or do that. But at the same time, there's this incredible draw and connection, as you said, with like-minded guys that are now everywhere that you want to collaborate with, that you really feel energized by. You know, that are really out there filling it. And I think they make us better at what we do. You know, I think we can all take it back to our clients, to our friends, our families, You know, to our individual places and be like, we're so much better because we collaborated or went on that experience or went on that experience or continued our education with these kinds of guys. Or, hey, you know what? I know we could launch this coaching program on our own or we could do this, but wouldn't it be more fun, quite frankly, if we did it with this guy or this guy? You know, awesome. You know, yeah, we can maybe make a little bit more, we could do a little bit of this or that, but wouldn't it be more fun, you know, also? And all of these, as you said, are they're all in the bucket. Yeah. You know, like it's all it's all connected. And thinking it through like that, I think makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense, but back to fulfillment, yeah, purpose, you know. And yeah. and a
0: feeling, Greg, like like you were you were we were texting the other day, you were talking about how, how you feel, like how you feel right? Not about how you look, but how you feel. So let me also, you know, because it's good for people to listen to this. When we met and we worked out and we hung out, I walked away with a feeling, right? And, and when, I w- when I was speak to Jesse, it's sort of you walk away with a feeling. And listen, Tony Robbins, it's one of those names now where you, you could either like, you know, you could roll your eyes or or it's like saying the Michael Jordan of, right? What what people don't know that I haven't met him is it's the feeling you get around you walk away feeling like, okay, you're like you're the same thing when I walked away from you. You feel juiced. You feel jack and I can't imagine doing that for five or six days together. Feeling that juice and then like so that's where I kinda wanna grow. I cause because I do know one thing. When you when you go alone, right, it's maybe you go faster. Maybe you go faster, but it just doesn't go all the way.
1: Yep. I get that. One thing that you touched on that I also think is important because I agree with that feeling aspect. I agree with the, that's the feeling, that's the the rush. You want that. What I'm also going after, and we can help each other, I think, get here as we continue to go forward and, and again, together in these areas. what I really also want to be cognizant of is that sustainability, longevity aspect of it. Hmm. There are a lot of opportunities that are out there. And I think guys jump into this, and I'd love your take on it too. They sign up for that event, you know, or they sign up for that that three or four day thing or that two day thing or even that. And it gets you that high, high, you know? There's the light, there's the energy, there's the fuel, there's the kumbaya, there's Jesse all day, there's the mountain, there's all that, you know? You get on the plane and you come home. You know where I'm going with it, right? right?
0: Oh yeah.
1: How do you sus- Again, how do you sustain it? Look, I had it with with an old you know old friend, you know old partner of mine too. One of those crises situations in life goes off to the retreat, spends all the money you know for the eight days and everything else. Comes back. What do they do? Okay, they throw up all over you with everything they got there. How incredible it was, life changing. Boom, boom, boom. Within five days, he's back to his old patterns. Mm-hmm. That's in there. The buzz wears off. We come back from vacation in a way. One thing I really want to be cognizant of and I really want to work towards with, with these guys in particular is that sustainability and longevity aspect of things, which is part of that total life wellness, which is without having to get on that plane, without having to go to that place, without having to do this escapism and stuff, are you living the life that you want to live and that you deserve kind of right where you are, you know? And if we can fix and work some of those things out, you can go anywhere, man. I
0: agree. I agree. Now, having said that, and I'm saying this as a compliment to them, because they don't want to do what we do. They really don't. They want it all on their terms and what we do. And, 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 and paying a compliment to us too is, you know, it is a gift and a curse for us to have this Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, whatever this, this thing is that we have. That when we want, when we leave these five or six day exertions or whatever or rehab for me, it stays, and we take it and we build this momentum. And and for us, we download everything and we utilize everything and make it our own. And for many people, they they like you said, they leave without that, and they need a Greg or an Adam in their life to continue that momentum, to keep them accountable, to see what's working and not working. You know, because without without that, a we don't have a fucking job, okay. But b, but b, like it's it, it's not a knock to their personality because Michael and Kobe stayed in the gym. That doesn't mean that the rest of the Bulls didn't and Lakers didn't live fulfilled lives. Your know, Shaq was the most dominant. He gained weight on the offseason. You
1: know what I mean? It, 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 it's a really good point, and I also think that it's related to kind of. Also not making every one of your passions, let's say your, your career or your full time, you know, thing like I, people need an escape. They do need to get away. You know? they do need to do, and you know what, if what they're doing can fund and fuel these opportunities for them too, and they come back, if they get what they want out of it, then, then great. But I also think you made a, a, a great point about the usefulness of, of coaching and coaches whether it's you or me or whoever they use, and there are hundreds of thousands, you know, out there. Um, accountability continues to come up. You know, with the guys that are reaching out to me, there's a there's a lot of consistency in terms of what they're asking and the reasons they're reaching out and coming to me. Your situation with addiction and recovery, again, somebody has those issues. I'm immediately referring them to somebody, you know, like you. However, accountability Is paramount in these situations, and a lot of times it's less about I know what to do. I do. I just can't do it. I just can't seem to bring myself to do it. So what I'm looking for is some help and some accountability and somebody to be there for me. Because you know what, Greg, I pretty much have five of my six Fs figured out. You know, for the most part. Listen, finance not my problem. I can afford to pay you. Okay. Let me tell you what I'm really paying you for. Okay. I'm paying you to hold me accountable. For the most part, because I want to get to keep the fitness going. I want to eat kind of the right foods and nutrition. I want to have a little bit more fun in my life and I'm not doing that. Yeah, you can help me maybe with the with the style and the fashion a little bit, but really what we're talking about there is confidence. We can get into that too. Is you know, it's really more about confidence and the feel, you know, again, but mostly it's it's accountability. It's I need to know that you're on the calendar, you know? Yeah. Greg, you're the- And you're going to ask me when we get back on the phone, hey, did you do what you said you were going to do? And sometimes that's all it takes. You just don't want to be on the other side and go, no, I didn't. But week after week, go, no, I didn't.
0: There's more to it, right? Like, not, not there's more to what you're saying. Like, what you're saying is perfect. I'm adding more for people listening, which is people know, I'm not going to use me, people know that you're doing exactly what you fucking say. And what you, it it just, it just shows, it shows in who you are. It shows in how you speak. It shows in every post it's like you're doing the deal, but every day you're doing the deal. So when someone's paying you and they say all that, but it's just to stay accountable. What they're really saying is I want that juice. I need that juice because they know you're fucking doing it. They know you're fucking doing it.
1: That's it's, it's a great point what they also need to know and I and you just share this with your clients they also need to know how hard it is they also need to know that we have our setbacks also that we have our 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 bad days the days that we don't want to do it and some of the days where we say we're going to do something and it doesn't get done or it doesn't get done the way that we wanted it to mm-hmm, or that you can't have these quote unquote perfect days every single day. There is no such thing as having a beautifully balanced day every single day. I'm not getting eight perfect hours of uninterrupted sleep every day. I'm not taking a sauna and a cold plunge every single day. I'm not signing new clients at 10, 15, 20 grand a pop every day. We're getting told no. Mm-hmm. We're Let having issues. That. Right.
0: Greg, you show that. You show, I've seen posts of yours with the whoop saying, I need to sleep better tomorrow night, or, you know, this was a hard one, or-
1: one because it's, look, I think it's real. I'll tell you this much. What I don't care for, okay, is I don't care for perfection. I don't care for the idea of perfection. I certainly don't want to show perfection because perfection is not my reality. What is the reality is that we're trying our best. That's what I really feel. That we're trying our best. We're putting a plan in place. We're putting a program in place. We're working at the best we possibly can. Like right now, before we got on this, I love your take on it as well. Like text, like I'm rewriting my three and ten year plan right now. My three and ten year vivid vision has to be rewritten right now because of changes that are occurring and that have occurred in our family's lives. So let's go back. Let's read the last iteration of it and what has to happen. You know, my staying at the top of my game as a top insurance broker, blah, blah, blah doesn't exist anymore. What's, what's out and what's in, you know? Two kids that are going to be off in college, you know, in the next couple of years will be empty nesters. What's out, what's in, you know, this is always a work in progress. Like you don't graduate from fitness. You don't graduate from nutrition. You don't, gra- you don't graduate from from your life or or co- needing a coach and people with you and working your plan and pivoting, you know, to make, to make progress.
0: That's what I'm trying to say. And that's why I say people find you people know you're doing the deal as in it doesn't stand out to me because of how consistent you are, but I've seen you post I'm having this huge pizza from so-and-so I'm having, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 they know that you're doing the deal, not about batting a thousand.
1: You know, and you work with also a lot of tremendously successful people and you also surround yourself with people at the highest level of, of the coaching game. Again, tremendous authors, tremendous presence, Huge scale events when you're just up there, you know, amongst like the best, the best of the best. Like, I've had a little glimpse into into some of this world. I've had a little, and one of the things I, I see with these individuals, like yourself, and they want—they're all human. What people people should know—they're all human. You know, they talk openly about their successes, but more they talk openly about their failures, shortcomings, realities. You know, of of their lives, and it makes them very, very relatable. And you said, it does give off this feeling. And they can be relatable, authentic. They can be telling you a story about everywhere in their life that they have made mistake after mistake after mistake and what they've done wrong and everything else. And what you walk away is going, not only are they relatable, but they're aspirational. While they're telling you about all of the failures and everything else that went wrong, they're aspirational in regards to, hey, I can own it. And I'm going to show you how I wore it and how I fixed it.
0: Right. I even was open, and I I don't mind telling the audience because I'm listen. I want people to enjoy our ride. I had four major speaking um events last year, and I got paid very very minimal for one of them. And I don't feel like that was a lack of success, right? I felt like I was getting my reps in, you know. And I loved being able to say that I was on a stage with Jesse, you know, two before me, and I was and I was two before David Meltzer, and David Meltzer was one before Tim Story, and I was like. For me, it wasn't about how much much am I getting paid to show that I'm a paid speaker. It was that, look, I'm doing my reps. I'm getting my reps in because I do know one thing. You and I will never quit. So I don't care if it's year three, year five. I don't care if it's year 10. I do know that all that work is going to come back.
1: Totally. One, the value of getting your reps in is so huge. Yeah. That... The other thing, you do not, nobody again, whatever your age or whatever your stage is, nobody starts at the top. However successful you are in the schmata business doesn't translate, you know, to the coaching and speaking business. However successful, these, yep, you can take those experiences with you. You may have better acumen. You may have a little bit more prestige or you may have this, but you still, you start with, again, not knowing very much. And having to go out there and, and, and get your reps in. And the ones that win, the one, and by win, all of our definitions of winning are, are, are different, but the ones that are successful and win are the ones that put the reps in. The ones that will speak for nothing, the ones that will continue to produce the podcast when nobody's listening, they continue to write when nobody's reading mm-hmm. out there, and they keep doing it and doing and doing it. And one day, somebody starts listening or starts reading or calls you up and now all of a sudden you're an expert. Mm-hmm. Been doing this for 5 years. I mean, I got you have no idea and you must get this all the time too. I was in New York last week. I was fortunate to have Bob Harper on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Bob Harper, the biggest loser, the trainer, the yeah. author, had the Yeah. Well, gets a lot of of course feed a lot of feedback. Hey, you got Bob. That's amazing. Would you introduce me? Would you connect me? Would you do this? How do you do that? Or whatever. I go, do you know long? Okay. 2019, 2019 was when I shot him a cold DM to say, Hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. Would you even be interested? Almost three years, almost three years. Kept going. That's what it takes. Great. That's what it takes.
0: You kept Mm -hmm. going. What I like is that we both, there's also something about respecting the grind. Like there's something different between, I would introduce you to anybody I know, but I also know how long you've been working and, and who you are and what you do compared to somebody that just wants to, just wants to be in the room with us and just wants to meet these people. Like, it's just very, very different, you know? So... It's nice to have a group of of like-minded brothers that are close that you're like, listen, anything I've done, I'll give to you. Well,
1: that's what it's, it's, there's a credibility to it that you're talking about, Yeah, which is no matter what industry you're in, like again, I went into, my former industry, I went into the insurance industry not knowing anything about insurance or joining this firm, okay? And it's a credibility thing. People want to know you're going to be there tomorrow. They want to know you're going to be there next year before they turn over something of value to you or making it an, or overextend themselves. And even in terms of selling, if you will, for the first probably three to five years of my being in that industry, it was, if you know me, if you like me, if you trust me, understand that I've done my homework and surrounding myself with these guys. You're not trusting me in a way with, with your insurance. Trust the fact that I have surrounded myself with experts that know what they're doing and have done my due diligence and all that. And the reason I'm here is because I think it would be good for me and it would be good for you as well. But you've got to build credibility. As you said you've got to respect the grind. You got to be there mm-hmm. or people are not going to – you know. They're not just going to give you that shot day one, day two, day three. They want to, how many seasons have you put, how many reps have you done? Yeah.
0: Well, Before we, I hand you that not mic. A, not a, you know, this is something that I don't think I'm going to give you credit. And in giving you the credit, I'm giving myself the credit because I think we're so like-minded and we're so focused that we don't really realize the risk that we took. Like, you know, we stepped into a field. You have a wife and two kids in college. I was going through a divorce with two children, there, there was no guarantee that this was going to work. There was no, like, we didn't feel that. We had a vision that we, we were going to blaze and we were going to make it happen. But I'm not this guy that ever says, oh, I'm a risk taker. Because I, I don't feel that way. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I feel like I budget my right. money. I feel like I. I don't feel like I'm a gambler. But when it came to you and I doing this, I think we did have a pair of balls.
1: I agree with that. I think it's calculated risk in there. I think, and this is something that comes up with with my clients, with yours too. There's the why and then there's the how, okay? Understand the why in that this is something that I wanted to pursue the same way you wanted to pursue it. You felt a calling to do what you do. You had your life story, your situation and circumstances, and you wanted to pay it forward, write about it, change people, help people, and you did that calculated risk, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's a calling. And you went for it. A lot of people get called and then they don't serve. Mm No, there's that that similar, similar with with my situation, passion, purpose, started doing it. One thing leads to another, continued to get called and pulled in this direction. Okay. There's the why. This is okay. I want to do it. The how, mm -hmm, and I'm very transparent about this. The how for me doesn't happen unless we sell the firm. Doesn't it what maybe it would have happened eventually mm-hmm. maybe it would have gotten there maybe i would have had to blow everything up and start over from completely ground zero with a wife kids all the time. or what the reality would have been maybe no greg you're going to have to shut up bite your tongue and keep doing this because of your wife your kids everything you want to provide and you can't do this other thing you know now there has to be a timing to i think turning the passion you know into the profession also you got to be able to
0: Play with me, though. I, I do believe it was calculated risk, but there still was a gap there. I'm just – I'm asking. I'm saying play with me. I'm not – you could actually say, Adam, no, you're wrong. There, m- my business closed and your – look, same thing happened within ours. doesn't matter how the businesses were sold or tra- – like they were leaving our – then there was a gap where we could stay in insurance, stay in schmatas, or go a safe route – and, and get whatever it is a year even if it's in a different company with a 401k and blah 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 and we went we went the road less traveled
1: yeah you ab- you are absolutely right about that as i pay my own benefits you know right now as we do a- all those th- absolutely you know you ab- you are absolutely right about that um like and house. i will accept and the i will accept that yeah.
0: For how many years? Like, I'm just, I'm just shooting the shit. I know it's a podcast, so it may not play out right. But for how many years did you not see a health insurance bill?
1: All of them. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the honest answer is like all of them. My whole Me too. life. Me too. I mean, never saw one. I mean, when I was growing up with my family, didn't know yeah, how that worked. Never saw one. Like when I've gotten every other job I've basically ever had. Yeah. Okay. Me too. No. So now, like, it, only, you really, we really did. Like, I'm just saying that we did take a leap. Yeah, and as somebody who then was in the insurance business as long as I was, when I had to go set up my own plan and do all this, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, I got to look for somebody like me because I don't really even know like somebody to help me. You know, this is what I was doing for like 14, 15 years. You yeah, so, and but guys out there, as you listen, this is also coaching right now. This conversation mm -hmm, is coaching because it's taking each other down a path mm -hmm, of where we are, where we want to go, what works, what doesn't work, what the realities are. And it's a dialogue and it's a conversation that ultimately you walk away from and you feel different than when you first started. And you're like, okay, what landed with me? What can I take here? What you know? What feels good? What doesn't? What did he poke a hole in? You know? What struck a chord? This is what it's all about. Whether you are again a a midlife male, you know, and working through that, or whether or not, again, you are somebody on a serious note with with addiction issues, recovery issues that also still carry over to every other area, you know, of life. These things are not mutually exclusive, you know, there. But this is. You know, this is what coaching is for those of you guys who have not experienced it. At least for me it's not it's not getting on a call and running you through some rigid exam every week, you know, and these detailed assignments and it's also it's not therapy either, you know there. It is how do we work from point A to point B, you know? How can I help you get where you want to go? How can Adam help you be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be? And how do you find the right Adam or the right Greg or the right whoever also? Mm-hmm. The guys our, like are willing to help with that too.
0: Yeah, I think our coaching is very similar. I say to, uh, to, to especially guys that understand our lingo. Um, I say, you know, in the beginning, um, I'm Jordan and you're Pippin, right? And I need you to play with it. Just stay in the zone with me. Just play with me because your game is going to mirror mine eventually. It's going to mirror And then... Within four or five weeks, what I want to do is become Phil Jackson and you're Jordan. And I'm just, I'm calling the triangle, but you you know when to go to the hole. You know when to do the fadeaway. You know when to pass. You know when to did right? I want you to be, able, right? But in the beginning, you got to, you know, you got to stay with Greg and you got to feed off what he's doing. You know, you got to feed, you know, you got to eat the way he eats, train the way he tra- trains, think the way he thinks. There's got to be an alignment. And then eventually Greg will step up right? Become Phil Jackson. And now you're Jordan, you know, and now you're gonna, you know, you'll, you'll find what foods work with you. you you'll, you'll do all of that. But that's why I usually say to my clients, cause I want them to understand the, the process of it.
1: Yes. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good point there also. And, and you make a number of them as you go, because I was reading this the other day from a buddy of mine who I think is a tremendous coach too. Um, And it was about how he used to be afraid to talk about his experiences in a way and to talk about himself in these coaching sessions, you know, because he thought it seemed, you know, whether it was egotistical, you know, or whether it was too much about him versus the client and so on and so on. And then kind of came to this relation through this, this revelation through some other work that he was doing in courses that he was taking that it really is about you also as a coach. And the client needs that as they said, until they can Walk, shoot, pivot, eat, do you know, do the do the Jordan-esque moves. These experiences that you share and the things that you have gone through and the lens in which you see it is the coaching. We're taking you through this so that you ultimately over time can develop the skills to do it yourself and let's say your way. Yeah. Tweak that diet a little bit, you know, that nutrition. Tweak that wardrobe a little bit, you know, your way. Tweak that way of working your calendar or doing it. But now like we've built this foundation with you.
0: Exactly. I'll send you a great clip. It could be great for you and your clients. There's two of them. I'll send you, it's just what resonates with me. Um, And one is to your point earlier. So one is it's Steve Kerr with KD during the finals on the final game. And he's telling KD, listen, when we were in this situation with Jordan, Jordan, so he was using I statements. Like he was talking about himself in, you know, game six with MJ for KD to, to use. You know, and it was so clever. Like, I don't even know how they got the clip. And the other thing is, and it's, a, it's an MJ thing again, which is, I'll send it to you because you'll, you'll fucking love it. But it's called Maybe It's My Fault. And he goes through everything. Right? Maybe it's my fault that you think that I started at the highlight reel. And maybe it's my fault that, you know, you think that I always had to fade away. Maybe it's my fault that it, I, you know, you, I made it look easy to jump from the foul line. And maybe it's my fault that I made every game, sh- last game shot look like a winner. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's my fault. You know, and then he literally goes all the way up to, maybe I destroyed the game of basketball. And then he looks at a group of kids, right? And he goes, or maybe you're just making excuses.
1: That That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Hey, let me let me turn the tables for a second I don't know if you can hear this I guess the uh, Amazon delivery is here today as the dogs go crazy in the background it's become a running theme of the podcast that as soon as we okay as soon as I go to record Amazon shows up the landscapers show up somebody somebody is here and my animals want to kind of go through the roof so there there's there's real life 101 on a Tuesday afternoon in the in the shineman household uh, but if we get serious for a second, um, you went through a divorce and we talked a little bit before we came on also about not just men who go through divorce, but a common, let's say, thread of, of midlife again, men who've been married for a long time or, or a while, percentage wise, there's a high percentage of divorce. Mm-hmm. But there's also this underlying high percentage of should I? Will I? You know, what's going on? Just like you said, there's an invisible line in addiction, you know, and regard, and you know, that in a way, how did you know? Okay. Or, or how is it presented? You know, and what do you think guys are, are, are dealing with in this space of, is this it? Do I stay? Do I, do I go? Does she want me to go? Do we keep working on this? You know what I mean? It's just, it comes up a lot.
0: So I'll speak, I'm going to use a lot of I statements and hopefully it resonates with somebody that's listening um, to either push through and and work it out or to make that very, very, very hard, painful decision. Uh, Because I want to say, and I think I could say this with, with, dignity, uh, my divorce was harder than getting sober for me personally. Um, it was harder than getting sober. So, uh, for me, where I feel like I did it right was Greg is, was I, I, I went, I did everything I could to make the marriage work. You know, I was pushing for counseling. I was pushing for therapy. Um, and my ex did participate for a while. And I think what we found out, what we found out together was it wasn't my ex and it wasn't me, is what we built together. It was what we had built, right? So meaning her parents were extremely important. The family business was extremely important. My parents and and being close with them was extremely important. And the most important thing for both of us was always our kids. And all of these things came way before my ex and I. And little by slowly, year after year, this relationship just started getting too many cracks in it. And eventually it was so much about everything else and not about us. That when major pieces started to break, parents were getting old, kids were getting bigger, and the family business is out of the picture. It couldn't. It, it, it didn't have this foundation and the stability to last. It didn't. It didn't matter in the end. You know, it didn't matter. We, we, mm-hmm. And and it came with a lot of shame, and it came with a lot of guilt, and it came with a lot of pride. Like Greg, I was like the guy. Like I'm not getting fucking divorced. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I see this thing all the way. I see things through. I see things through better or worse. I'm the captain of the ship. I'm going down with the ship. I mean, I was just that guy. You know, I was just that guy. Maybe a little too much. So, so maybe God humbled me through the divorce. Um, and, and let me see, show that maybe I, maybe I had a perception of divorced men or women thinking that they quit too early, not giving them the credit that maybe they did the work. I don't know. I really don't know, but but I can't say that this was the most painful, humbling thing I've ever gone through, but at the same time, the most liberating and exciting It's just a hell of a journey.
1: I appreciate you sharing again on, on that. And what I also take away from there is the opportunity again in the upside, you know, part of the hero project, part of the transformation, part of the journey coming out better the other side, mm-hmm. um, and nobody has done that better has done that better than you mm-hmm. on there. Adam, how do people find you? How do people work with you? Um, get in touch. Hero Project, Instagram, everything. I mean, because you guys, you need to do this. Okay, whether or not it is recovery, whether or not it's addiction, whether or not it is general, just life, motivation, inspiration. Really incredible stories. The book has value for everyone. Uh, out there. Um, and so does Adam's message. I mean, I read it, repost it. We chat all the time. Um, and I'll tell you, and you know this too, like I wouldn't if, if I didn't really love it, you know, and, Probably, and love you. I think
0: that's the truth. Listen, Greg will also tell me when he doesn't agree with the post. So Greg, is,
1: Hey, look, Greg, you're looking for five guys. And I'm like, you're not looking for five guys. Five guys should be fucking looking for you. That's what happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you're right. Greg, here's the thing. You know what I mean? I'm not a fucking people pleaser. You're right. You're right. You know, I just went down that path of marketing and this and that. And it's now part of the strategy. So you may see another one come up, but it doesn't mean that you're wrong. It does not mean that you're wrong.
1: But here's also what, you know, what comes out of a lot of this too. And guys, pay attention to this too, because we can agree to disagree. We can have different marketing tactics. We can have different messages on stuff. We can have other stuff that aligns. But produce more than you consume. One thing that's going on here is that guys like Adam also, when I look at the guys that even you follow or that you are around and what's going on, they're producers. They're producers in a way more than, more than consumers. And if you're going to consume, I say to curate, aggregate the best people that are out there. Follow those people choose quality over quantity. In a way, cut through the noise, you know, and say, okay, I'm going to produce, I'm going to do things, all these guys. And look at who guys like Adam follow, you know, look at who some of these other guys who they follow, who they're gleaning things from and say, you know what? They're choosing quality over quantity. Take a look at it. Huge followings guys with huge, okay. With huge followings. I don't know if I even love the word follower we can do in there, but a lot of people are listening to the message. And then look at who they're actually following. The numbers are always drastically different. The prolific producers, the movers, the, sh- the go forward guys are producing more than they consume. And if you look at who they're consuming from, you're going to find a lot of value there because they're choosing wisely.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so- Man, I
1: love this. We could do this all the time. Okay.
0: Bro, listen, I, Greg, I brother, listen, I love you. I really love you. And and I've never been more aligned with another guy and more proud of another guy because I know exactly, uh, you know, we've shared intimately. And I, I, I just think you have the biggest balls that I know. So, <laughs> and, and, and I doubt he's listened all the way because of his attention span. But if he did, Sandy, I know I could speak for your big bro. We both love you.
1: Well, here's what I'm going to do. I will send it to him the beginning and the end because we know he won't <laughs> listen to the fucking middle, okay? So we'll just cut that and we'll do that. Hey, I don't even know if we answered the question uh, because we cut right in. Where do people find yes. you?
0: Uh, you can look me up at Adam Javelin on Instagram, Adam Javelin at Facebook, Adam Javelin at LinkedIn. Uh, the Hero Project is trademarked, so if you look that up, you'll find me. Uh, you can always email me at info at Adam Javelin. And uh, Greg, you know, you and I are just starting. You know, I feel like we're just... We're the young pups in this, so I'm I'm, I'm having a good time.
1: We are. We are just getting started. Guys, you have heard it from the man himself. You know where to find him. If you like what you have heard on the Midlife Mail podcast, please give us that five-star rating. Leave us that great review. Share it with your friends, your family, everybody out there to keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Adam Jablin, thank you so much for being here today. This was awesome. Can't wait to have you back.
0: Love you, Greg. Love Midlife Mail. Peace.
1: If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the Work With Me page to explore options.